If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another listener episode of the podcast. And today is an episode that it was a story that I was really searching for to do for a listener episode. And today we are talking to Kylie. Kylie is a 29-year-old therapist from Michigan who got with her ex-husband at 19 and they were together for a decade. They were married, they share a daughter, and this episode is about a lot of things. There's so many great takeaways for navigating a divorce, navigating co-parenting. I think it's really beautiful. Obviously, she had a lot of bumps along the way in navigating this whole process, but because she's, you know, a ways out from it, she has a really, really great perspective of why the breakup happened. She really shares what worked for her during navigating the breakup and what didn't work for her. So I think there's a lot of value had in that. But I think the main thing that I want to make sure you get from this episode is she was in a really dependent relationship with her ex-husband starting really early at 19. I mean, when you spend your entire 20s with someone, they become a huge part of very formidable years. So she talks about how empowering and how freeing it was to be able to find herself on her own two feet on her own. So we talk about her spending time alone figuring out what she liked again, talking about like how great it actually was to go to the movies by herself because she doesn't like when anyone talks to the movie and how she got to have her own popcorn. It's like these little things that we so often don't think about. And I'm often asked like, how do you get used to being alone? And she's a great example. You do things on your own and you start small. So there's so many good takeaways in this episode. I'm really grateful that she came on because I think her experience is going to help a lot of you guys. So here is Kylie's story. Hi, Kylie. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So could you start off by just telling us a little bit about you just so we can start off by relating to your story? Yeah. Um, my name is Kylie. I am in Southern Michigan. I am also a therapist who happened to have my heart broken very recently. So I graduated with my master's last year 
had no intentions of becoming a therapist, honestly, but my heart was just kind of going in that direction. And it was kind of really insightful because during that time I was also going through a divorce. So I think just kind of navigating like my new career and my new life, I don't know, it just all came together very well and kind of helped me learn a lot as I was becoming a professional and also learning to be a single mom on my own. That's so interesting. I feel like when you were like in school to be a therapist, do you feel like you were like applying tools to yourself as you were kind of going through this like really intense life transition? Absolutely. So when I was actually in the program, my intentions were to become a medical social worker. My degree is in social work. And then I just got spiraled into this new life. And, you know, we touched more on like therapeutic approaches and things like that. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't want to do medical. You know, I feel like I have so much to offer the world and all this knowledge on these tools. And I want to help people adjust to their lives after they fall apart. Yeah. I feel like there's no hope in the world. Just learning that there is other avenues of happiness and that you can find yourself again. That's so beautiful. And I'm was telling you before we started recording, but your story is a really important topic and you know, we'll get into it, but I would love if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your relationship because it was a really long-term relationship. Yes, it was. So my ex-husband and I have known each other forever since middle school. We started dating after high school. He had joined the military. I went to Eastern Michigan and he just happened to be home on leave and said, Hey, let's catch up. You know, I haven't talked in a while and the rest is history. We were together for 10 years. I'm 29 now. Yeah. And then right around the 10 year, yeah, 10 year mark, we just decided it was, you know, it wasn't working anymore. I think we tried for many years to make it work and it just was simply us getting together so young. And our lives went in completely different directions. And I don't think either direction was wrong. It just wasn't working dependently on what the other one saw. So yeah, it was a great relationship. We definitely had our downs. A lot of things that we went through were, uh, you take this part out, like (laughs) like going on a rant. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is great. (laughs) But yeah, after he came home from the military, things just weren't the same for him. He did a tour in Afghanistan for a year. We got married very quickly after that. We had been together about three years at that point. That being said, I had a very traumatic childhood, young adulthood as well. So I think both of us avoiding working on ourselves really impacted our relationship. Our communication was awful. And it wasn't until we got older that we kind of realized we need to work on us. We need to do it separately. We need to do right for our child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like an incredibly mature perspective to have on that. Don't have to get into specifics here, but would you say like when you were just like we grew apart, was it just like values or like what are some things do you feel like grew apart? Was it just like kind of everything like you guys just like couldn't get on the same page? Yeah, it almost seemed like like we each just one day decided I want to be more independent than I am. And this relationship isn't allowing me to do that. So it seemed like from there, it was just this lack of communication of like our wants and needs and everything just changed. Like our perspective on everything changed. We didn't agree on anything anymore. And I think getting pregnant with my daughter and having her was a big step for both of us in that direction to start stepping away, to respect the father of my child. And he is a wonderful person. I won't go into too many details, but- he didn't take to fatherhood right away. 
he didn't offer the support I needed while I was in labor and delivery and the weeks after that when I was recovering. And I've had mental health for a very long time, depression, anxiety, and during the most vulnerable time of your life after having a child, as you can imagine, yeah. it gets a lot worse. So I went through all of that. I felt very alone. He also felt very alone because he wasn't sure what he was doing. He'd never had experience with children before. But after about four or five months, he really bonded with our daughter and he's been wonderful ever since. But we've never really repaired ourselves in our relationship since then. Yeah. I mean, having an eight month old now, I have like having a, a child has made me even like more. I don't know. It's just given me such a new perspective running breakup bestie. I don't think I ever could truly fathom, first of all, like how difficult co-parenting must be. And I definitely want to touch on that with you until you have kids. You just don't know what it's like to have kids and you know how difficult having kids can be on a relationship. And it's like, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people think kids can repair relationships. Whereas like, I think, you know, having kids now, it's like, if it's not on pretty solid ground, it's very difficult to be able to maintain that. So I think, you know, that absolutely makes sense. And I also think that when one person in a relationship makes the choice to be more independent, it can just go one of two ways where, you know, sometimes someone's like, I completely like, go do your thing. I will be here not like when you come back, not like you're leaving, but like, I'm here for you, how you need me. But I think a lot of times when one person becomes independent and the relationship was so dependent on each other, it can really threaten the relationship. Absolutely. And I think you said it perfectly. If you weren't already on solid ground before you had a child, don't expect it to be better afterward. Yeah. It really, um, really sets the tone for how your family dynamic is going to look. Yeah, absolutely. And so it it sounds a little bit like the divorce was mutual. Would you say it was mutual or was it, you know, one person really kind of navigating it? I think I mostly navigated it. So I had actually printed off and filled out divorce papers three times before I actually, you know, said, I'm really, we're really doing this. I think a lot of that was just, I didn't like the idea of breaking someone's heart, but he also wasn't happy. And just the fear. I mean, we basically grew up together, you know, yeah. like I'm scared to know what this is going to look like without you in my life anymore. But yep, we actually were on pretty rocky grounds when my daughter was conceived. Wasn't exactly intentional. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> happened. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where everything got a little difficult. But yeah, after about a year and a half of her being with us, I was just like, all we do is argue. We're never like on the same page. And he agreed. And we mutually agreed divorce is the route to go. And I think he started having a change of heart once, you know, I got my own place and it was about time for me to move out. He started having a change of heart and I was like, I can't go back. This isn't good for our daughter. It's not good for either of us. No one's happy. And there was quite a bit of resentment, understandably, on his part. And becoming parents separately was not something either of us ever wanted. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's two things to touch on. I think no one gets married thinking that it's not going to work. I don't think people are in relationships with the thought that they're not going to work. Sometimes I get messages of like, I don't think this person ever loved me. And it's like, people just don't stay in relationships with people that they don't love. And also like when people 
talk about the person who ended the relationship. I think the fact that you filled out those papers three times is really indicative of how much thought has to go into ending a relationship. It's by no means an easy decision at all. And I I do try to, you know, stress that to people. No one wakes up one day and says, you know what? I just want to like break the person I love's heart. It's, It's a very, very difficult. And when I have found myself in the position of having to end something, I often wished I was on the other side because, you know, no one likes to be the bad guy, but you know, I think there's that saying of like, sometimes people make better parents as co-parents than they can together. And it's, I mean, it sounds like I'm sure there was like a lot of other stuff, but it sounds like the divorce process was handled pretty maturely, pretty cleanly. What do you find made the process, I can't say easier, smoother, I guess? Like, do you have any kind of tips from the other side of someone who might be going through that right now that really kind of helped you guys navigate that? So compared to a lot of other divorces, I would say it was a little smoother, but it definitely didn't come without, you know, our moments. My advice would be to not worry about what they're doing. It's so easy to say and so hard to do. Delete them off of social media, even if you have a child together. If people come to you and say, oh, I saw your ex doing this with whoever, shut it down. Don't let them tell you anything. It makes it so much easier when you're focused on you and not them. Whatever they're doing is their business and you'd want the same respect in return. And honestly, it comes a lot easier when you just are focusing on the things that are making your life simpler right now. And your heartbreak isn't one of them. You know, <laughs> you, yeah. want to, you definitely want to put think, your mind elsewhere. Yeah. I think that's really important because I think sometimes people who are co-parenting don't believe that they can like you know, remove off social media and those things. But I I do really think it's important. And like, I know some people like, well, I need to, I want to see like what they're doing with my child. And I think you have enough people in your life that probably are still connected to your ex-husband that like, if something was going crazy, they would tell you like, oh, that, you know. Oh yeah. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's something that, that should also be, you know, taken into account is removing and not playing investigator with your ex. I would love to ask you, I think, first of all, being the person that ended the relationship and then the like divorce. Can you talk about like the arc of when your feelings hit? I sometimes think divorce kind of delays feelings, if that makes sense, because there's so much like procedural things that you have to go through that sometimes, I don't know, I have seen that feelings tend to be a little bit delayed, but I'd love to hear kind of your journey with when the sadness of it all hit. I agree with that completely especially if kids are involved, long-term relationships are always going to be so much harder (laughs) Yeah, because you can't just, you know, you can't just walk away. You got to be there. So at first I did it the wrong way and I was going out, distracting myself every way I could, running away from any possible feeling that evoked. And it didn't come until probably about three, four months later after being on my own that I was like, wow, I just really need to sit in this sadness. I hate the way my life is going right now. I hate the way that I'm handling this. I don't feel like the strong person I know I am. So I started therapy, strongly recommend. I started focusing more on parenting and co-parenting and just making things as easy as possible for our toddler. 
and really just relying on my support system. All of my friends, you know, they were so wonderful, my family too. And I was also at this point still in my program. So I was like, I really have to work on this, get it done and do a really good job at it so I I can be better for other people. Yeah. I want to push back a little bit just because I think sometimes when we distract ourselves, like it's literally like to keep us sane, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, honestly, if you would have dove into like the sadness, I think you said it perfectly. It didn't feel good to you. And that's, is like a good enough indicator where it's like, okay, let me reassess. I do think sometimes when we distract ourselves in the beginning, it's literally just like a coping skill to keep us upright. It's like, you just, you listened to your gut and you're like, I don't like, I know that I could be handling this better. And I think I should be handling it better. And then making those, those adjustments. I think that's huge. I think if I could give like one piece of advice navigating a breakup, it's like to listen to your gut. But in the beginning, when feelings are really strong, your gut's just like kind of getting rewired. I don't know. It's like, you. it's so clouded in there. It's like, you can't really hear it. But when you do get those like strong, intuitive feelings, being able to follow those. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with distraction at all. It's a very good tool to use. But when you're using it to an extent to where you're like, it's almost like none of this is happening. None of this is happening. Yeah. If you're That's numbing. That's where it can start to be a little bit. Yeah. You're numbing. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, in terms of like your support system, and I know a lot of people navigate breakups with like a lot of mutual friends being with someone for so long. Was there ever issues with like whose friend is whose, like kind of untangling that kind of stuff. Cause you guys had been together for so long. Yeah. It was definitely an awkward experience at first. We had a lot of the same friends and everything and him and I both made it clear. Like there's no sides to pick. Just don't tell us each other's business. We don't want to hear it. Yeah. But I think overall it just kind of went naturally with who was closer to who and nobody asked for that. It's just kind of how it ended up going. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some moments where there was an incident where somebody was telling my ex-husband things about me and I'm like, okay, well, you're not making the situation any easier. So we're kind of done talking for a while. I'm done letting you know anything that's going on. And that relationship's since been repaired and everything's fine, but it's definitely a part of divorce, breakup, whatever that nobody really expects. You don't really think about it. Yeah. How much your circle kind of changes a little bit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? 
between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, being with someone since you were 19, it's like, I mean, I think even people who are together for a year, it's like, there's a lot of commingling, but you know, when you talk about a decade, that's, that's a big deal. And I, I really liked what you said of, it just kind of happened naturally. I remember, you know, and this is not the same thing, but like, when I was with someone and I'm, you know, I go to 12 step meetings, I've been in AA for a long time. And I remember saying like, I need to call and we need to like define whose meeting is, is whose. And I wanted to make it like this big thing. And someone Mm -hmm. was like, why don't you just like kind of see what happens? I never ran into him. It's just like, I think a lot of the time, if you just let things be and just are looking out for yourself and your boundaries, like things will just part naturally. And it doesn't need to be like, this huge thing. Yeah. Trusting the process is such a difficult concept, but it truly it is. is. Yeah. It is such an important factor. Yeah. Someone once told me this story of like, imagine like a feather, like dropping from the sky and you're like trying to get this feather. Like if you like reach for it, like you'll keep pushing it everywhere where if you just like let it fall, like it's going to fall right into your hand. I mean, I just always remember that story when we're talking about like trusting the process. Like if you're constantly trying to like bat at it and make it something bigger and like be impatient and want to hurry it up, you're just going to push it away. Whereas if you just kind of let the whole process unfold, like it's going to land exactly where it's supposed to. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned your support system. I do really want to get into this whole idea of like, what did your identity and maybe like that's, you know, maybe you weren't thinking of it like as my identity, but what did it feel like being with someone? I mean, those are very formative years, your twenties, basically that you're with someone. What did it feel like not having that person as like part of, of you? I think I made most of my identity all about him quite honestly. Yeah. I just thought of myself as a wife and mother. I mean, I had, you know, my career and my other forms of support, but overall it was mostly kind of based on what he picture I like to be. And I was just like, Oh, okay. I'm along for the ride. That sounds great. So, I mean, I just felt like a wife and a mom. And so when I was, you know, on my own for the first time, I'm just like, I'm not a wife and like, I'm a mom that's doing it on my own. I don't know how to do this. It was a little freeing in a way, but also terrifying because it was uncharted grounds for me. Yeah. Um, it was something brand new. I had to kind of learn to figure out. 
Yeah. And was that something like you felt like you were doing consciously where you're like, I need to kind of rediscover who I am? Or was it just something that you like fell into because you had all these like voids left and it's like, I got to fill these things with something, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of a mixture of the two. I had the spare time when my you know, daughter was with her dad. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't just sit around here. You know, I have to like find new things to do. So I mean, I picked up new hobbies. I started spending time alone, doing things alone. And I think just with time, it just kind of, everything fell into place and it just started coming to me, you know, like, oh, I like doing this and this and this. And I feel like a whole new person, but at the same time, like I knew these things about me. I just never had the courage to go and do them. Yeah. And be my own person. Can you give like, just because I, this is like such an, I get asked about this all the time and I think it's really important. Can you talk about like, how did you start spending time alone? Like, what did that look like to you? It was such an awkward thing for me because I don't remember the last time I had done it. I think it feels that way for a lot of people, especially when they've been kind of in a codependent situation. I remember the very first thing I did alone was went hiking in trails around where I live. And I just felt so weird. I'm like, it's so quiet. I had my music playing, but I'm like, you know, I almost felt lost in a way and a little panicky. Yeah. But I mean, throughout this long hike that I took, I'm like, you know, this is actually really nice. It's cool to just sit here and be in my own thoughts and my own feelings. And then um, not too long after that, I went to the movies by myself. And I mean, that was actually really nice. I'm the type of person where I don't want you talking through a movie. I don't know what's going on just as much as you don't, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, wow, I can sit here, eat this entire large tub of popcorn alone and just really listen to the movie. Um, That's Overall, I was just more surprised how fun it was. No, that's, I mean, that's amazing. And so you also mentioned like figuring out things that you liked again. Can you walk us through like how you did that? Was it just about like trying different things or just like being more aware of like, what do I like and what do I not like? Yeah, I definitely tried new things like hiking in the woods. I never would have done in my life traveling a little bit more too, like with my friends and stuff based on on things that I enjoy. Like, you know, I enjoy being outside. So these are the activities I'm going to do. And I just really listened to my body and what that needed. I felt like I needed to release some kind of tension. So I started going to the gym. I felt like my mind was completely scrambled. I didn't know which way was up. So I started therapy. It's really just listening to what your body's trying to tell you and just kind of going from there and finding what works for you. So I think a lot of us, like, I think our body speaks to us very, like in very different ways. So what is yours? Like, is it like in your stomach, like in your gut or like, I just want to give examples because I think a lot of people have no idea what that feels like to listen to their body. I think there's people that are more intuitive. I feel that I'm one of those people. I also feel like if you've been through a lot of trauma, you're not going to know what to listen to, especially if you are wired to run from everything, you know, be more avoidant. I would say something feels bad in your stomach. Listen to that. It's telling you something, your body and your brain know something that isn't coming, you know, forward to you. Also just talking to people that you trust around you that can really invoke some thoughts like, oh, well, maybe that would work for me, or maybe like I should not be doing this. Not that everyone's opinion should dictate what you do and how you heal, but hearing different perspectives can kind of give you a different spin that you might not have thought of. Yeah. And sometimes even just like talking it out, like sometimes I'll be talking it out and like, it almost feels like there's like a click where I'm like, oh, that's what, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Or like, that's what I'm supposed to hear. Mine is like, I get like a lump in my throat. 
I know mm-hmm. that like that's typically when like I need to say something or like I need to change something that I'm doing or if I ignore it for a long time, I get like really bad stomach aches. So I think it's just learning like how your body speaks to you. That's why I think journaling is so great because I feel like it's my body talking to me sometimes and like trying to get that stuff out. If you don't mind me asking as someone who, you know, does have trauma in the past, was this, did this divorce kind of bring some of that I say that because I think a lot of times people are like, when am I going to be over my ex? And it's like, there's so many things that come with it. I think breakups tend to really bring up past trauma, which will extend your time that you need to heal because there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of my trauma came after my parents divorced. Just a lot of things transpired after that and for years. So it kind of like sparked this fear of, you know, am I going to put my kid through all of that? Like I did. And then it just started like this snowball effect of like remembering all the things that happened and all of my greatest fears. And it really just led me to a point where I quite literally felt like I was going crazy, just not knowing the future. I mean, just remembering the past too much and living way too much in that past. And I also think it really affected my marriage, just avoiding it for so long. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the time we just forget that like, There's just so much stuff like going on underneath the surface that like colors how we see other people and how we interact with other people. And a lot of the time it's like not stuff we're conscious of. So it's not stuff we're like doing on purpose. I mean, I think it's as unfortunate as it is that like, you know, a relationship ended. I think the fact that it like gives us this opportunity to kind of really look at that stuff and, you know, and be able to to heal for us. And, you know, being able to like do that and heal for your daughter, I think that's like so powerful. And I think the fact that you're like, we're conscious of the fact that divorce was so impactful on you, like there's no way that your daughter is going to have, you know, that same experience. Yeah. And I'm very confident about that now. And our co-parenting situation is as great as you can possibly imagine a co-parenting situation to be. But it is terrifying at first when you you can't look into a crystal ball and know how it's going to look a year from now, two years from now, whatever mm. it is. I think healing your trauma is the best thing that you can do for yourself, especially when going through a breakup or divorce. Yeah. And did you have any like tools or things that helped? Because you said like you were like really stressed out about the future and really replaying the past. I mean, you know, usually the remedy to that is like being in the present, like being grounded in the present. Was there anything that like would help you in those moments where you were spiraling into the future or spiraling about the past? Yeah. Mindfulness is key. When our brain is wired to just constantly think of the past and we're always on high alert, that's when things get bad. So being mindful, things like meditation, yoga, you know, just even simple things like going out in public and just like being observant of the things around you, journaling even. It does you no good to constantly think about what happened and is it going to happen again? But I mean, if you're wired that way, you're wired that way. The best thing you can do is to find something to ground you. And that could look different for everybody. Mine personally was, I tried yoga for a while and I enjoyed it and it was helpful. It's not something I did long-term. Going to the gym really kept me in the present Yeah, and just doing different activities. Like I got journals that had prompts in them, you know, like, what do you want right now? What is it that you're looking for in your future? Things like that. Yeah. I feel like it's a lot like, and people that have anxiety tend to like, just not be okay right here. It's like, we're like always reaching for 
the past or the future. I like will literally like grab like I have a scrunchie right here and I'll like grabs like touching stuff mm-hmm. like touching oh, or yeah. like okay what do I, I see a water bottle a light a laptop a microphone because it is like it can be so scary just not being in your body. Oh yeah, and another really helpful one that I tell my clients is going through the five senses. You know, find something you can touch, hear, smell, etc. And that really does keep you very present and fidgets, like you said, like any kind of thing that you can just fiddle with really. Yeah. And I would love if you could also being like your co-parenting situation now is like, you know, best case scenario. Do you have any advice for people on like how you navigated that? I mean, I know it's, it's, I think a lot of the time people are coming to me, like when they don't know what it's going to look like. But I think if you have like anything that worked for you or anything that you feel like made the process, again, not easier, but maybe a little smoother. Communication is key. And that's not something that comes easy to everyone, myself included. But I mean, you have to learn to do it. I would advise not saying too much or, you know, just give the basics that you need to know and what's concerning you about the child. Conversation can kind of like go off to like, oh, this is going on in my life or, oh, that is yeah. have firm boundaries. You don't need to know that. You don't need to tell them that until you're at a point where you genuinely feel like, okay, we're not in love anymore. We've moved on. Maybe now that we can be good co-parents, maybe we can talk about other things too. But in that moment, boundaries are everything. You're just going to keep going in that cycle of fighting and being frustrated and just not doing what's right on the co-parenting front if you're not focused solely on that kid. Yeah. Well, and I imagine too, like, you know, if you guys are face-to-face talking, even if it's just like about your daughter, like sometimes it can like get into that familiar feeling of like how it was when you guys were together. And I feel like probably then it's like easy to almost overshare because it's like, I don't know, it's confusing. And I give people that are co-parenting so much credit because it's, it is like easy to fall back into even those like brain chemicals that happen when you see that other person. So I think, you know, having those boundaries ahead of time is really important, but I also feel like I have to give people so much credit for being able to navigate that. Yeah. And there are situations out there where one of the parents or both of the parents are just very much stuck in that toxic cycle and can be a little difficult to deal with or a lot difficult to deal with. Again, stick to your boundaries if you're in that situation. They may send you an eight paragraph text about how awful they think you are and, you know, just leave it at the kid. Don't open that text. Don't respond to it. That's the best response you can give them. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's easy to say, hard to do, but you know, you're a great example of like that being possible. So I have two last questions for you. The first one is how do you feel like this experience is either already serving you or going to serve you and being able to help other people in the future in your career? I think just having like a personal experience that I could self-disclose if, you know, the moment was right, helps people feel seen and understood and like they're not alone, that there's other people out there that have, you know, gone through these things too. Also just knowing what worked for me and what didn't work for me. um, And just knowing that helping people find their independence, you know, that wasn't something that was easy for me. And that's something I had for a long time. So I think somebody seeing like, oh, there is a way out. You can pull yourself out of that. And just sharing those tools can be very beneficial. That's beautiful. And my last question is, what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself in this process? There are quite a few. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, share as many as you'd like. The most 
I think that the main one would be like, I've said many times throughout this, but just knowing like the person that you are and who you want to be and how freeing that is and how much you can look forward to the future. I would also say I was very blindsided by how hard dating would be after divorce, after being with somebody for a decade. It did not come easy for me. I did end up in a relationship not long ago where I'm like, wow, I'm repeating some patterns here. I'm going for a person that reminds me so much of the things that, you know, I went through in my marriage and ultimately it didn't work out, but I handled it so much better. I knew what tools to use. Yeah. I had my sad moments and still do, but wasn't nearly as difficult to get through as the last one was. So I think learning and going forward is very helpful learning from your past. Yeah. I think that's so important because I think sometimes when people get out of breakups, they're like, I feel like I should know better. But a lot of the time it's, it's not being perfect. It's just like, just like you said, oh, I, I caught it sooner. I caught it in myself and I was able to walk away or adjust. That's the huge, that's huge. That's way better too than just like all of a sudden going into like something completely perfect and not having to like put anything you learned kind of to the test. So Absolutely. And recognition is even a step. My last relationship, I was like, wow, I'm doing these things. I never would have thought that in my marriage. You know, like I always thought, you know, this is just how it is. Yeah. Well, Kylie, thank you so much. Typically when I'm going through these listener episodes, I try to, you know, think about like what the title is going to be. And like, I literally have like three that I need to pick from for you. Cause there was like so many really, really important themes that you touched upon. So I think your story is going to help a lot of people, whether they're co-parenting or not. I think this message of finding yourself again, and you've handled the process insanely amazing. And I'm sure there was a lot of bumps along the way, but your perspective that you have now is incredibly helpful to hear. So thank thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.